welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Nail salon. What? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. I am joined by Ben Heldfond and Nikki de Bartolo, co-authors, divorced couple and founders of Our Happy Divorce. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you are the first couple, first two people we've ever had on the podcast. Really? Yeah. Wow. wow. That's uh, amazing. And there's a lot of pressure involved in that. But yeah. <laughs> I, I hope we uh, are, are, are good entree. I Appetizer, promise, I guess. I promise we won't argue. Yeah, we won't. <laughs> well, yeah, don't fuck it up, guys, because this is yeah. what, this is now going to be the mold for everyone else. So I'm, I'm very interested to talk to you. You are founders of our happy divorce. You are happily, amicably divorced. Is this correct? We are. We're actually much happier divorced than we were married. <laughs> the book that we wrote is, is entitled Our Happy Divorce. And uh, the line is how ending our marriage brought us closer together. And that's, you know, that's the story of, of 14 years of being divorced and, you know, putting our son first. And, you know, somewhere along the line, I, I think in the beginning, we definitely faked it uh, and, and put on our big boy pants and put our ego aside and showed up. And then somewhere along the line, like I said, uh, it crossed into the making it and it became authentic and genuine. And, and you know, today she's my best friend. Oh, sometimes. Oh, most of the days. That's so nice to hear. I think a lot of listeners will be like, really? I don't believe it. How can these two be amicably divorced and happy about it? Um, so take me back, if you will to that divorce moment. So Ben, how long ago did you get divorced? And what was that kind of breakup moment like for you? I don't know for every couple, I would imagine and it'd be a pretty good bet that 
divorce doesn't, that decision doesn't happen because you had a fight one night at a restaurant or right. It was, it's an accumulation of years of, you know, going back and forth to trying to, you know, uh, resurrect something that maybe wasn't even there. Um, and for, for us, I had moved out a couple of times, moved back in, we're going to give it another shot. So it was that sort of pre-divorce, uh, dance. hell loop, right? Uh, yeah. The dance. And, and, I don't know what it was. I think it was, you know, something that happened that, you know, I was going to move back in again. And I think I came back and, and Nikki had, you know, gone away again to LA. It was just all this like stuff that brought up stuff for me. Uh, and Traumatic. I, I was done, you know, that done moment uh, for me. And it was a very uh, dramatic. Yeah, go ahead. Tell I, I came home and there was a ripped up photo of us and his ring next to my sink in the middle of the ripped up photo. It wasn't my finest moment, Samantha. I mean, if we're honest, wow, yeah. <laughs> it's probably something I should have done. Right. That's a very visual way of mm -hmm. saying very. I want to break up. And so I left the house and, you know, at, at that done moment. Um, and it wasn't a relief because nothing had been processed. It wasn't, um, no. it, it was still all Nikki's fault. And, uh, and for me, it was all his fault. Right. And there was a lot of finger pointing. And, and, and the first call that I made, which I don't recommend. And, and if anybody, that's why we wrote this book to sort of, you know, uh, let people know where I went wrong, where we went wrong and where we went right. You know, and the first call that I made was to a friend of mine who was a lawyer. And I said, who's the best divorce lawyer in uh, Tampa where we live? And he gave me the name and I met with this lawyer and, you know, told him what I wanted. You know, I wanted to destroy Nikki. I wanted to you know, uh, whatever it was. Right. And he was sitting there nodding his head and said, we could do that. And yes, you can get that. And uh, I think that's a, another warning uh, sign for people. Uh, if you sit with a lawyer and they're going to tell you, you can get everything you want run out of that office. <laughs> right. So anyway, so he wrote up this game plan and this whole attack mode and exactly what I wanted from, from Nikki. Um, and, and it just turned out to be something. I always tell him that it was just the same plan he writes for everybody else. They just changed the names. Right. And, and charge people charged the same, the same thing. And, uh, so anyways, I was on a plane one day I, and, and I, uh, decided to read it and I got three pages into it. And this thing was like 30 pages. And I had for the first time in a long time, this moment of clarity, this, you know, the, this where I could no longer continue to buy my own bullshit. And it was uh, and it was mixed with some of my experience growing up as a kid with a really high conflict divorce with my parents. Um, and yet I was still with everything going on and everything I had experienced going to put our son through the same mess. And, and so I put it away and then I made my I got home and I called the lawyer and said, thank you. But no, thank you. And then my second call was to the person that should have been my first call. And that was to a therapist. And uh you know, I, I worked with therapists and, uh, you know, work through the emotional side of it. Cause there's, you know, d divorce is a business deal. It's one of the biggest business deals probably people will have in their lives. And then there's the emotional side of it. And I think what happens is, and what was happening for me is I was putting the emotional, I was making the emotional side of it, which is a Petri dish, which is the worst emotions drive my decisions on the business side of it. And that's, recipe for disaster and i think for me it wasn't quite as as long drawn out as ben's i was i've always been a fixer so my idea is just to fix something to fix the relationship to fix this to you know let's figure out how to either make us work how to you know so i quickly realized that making us work really wasn't on the table for for many reasons it just we weren't meant to be married together we, we weren't meant to be married um, so 
my parents are still married 52 years later. So I didn't grow up the way Ben did. So my idea was, how can I keep this child's life as close to the way I grew up as possible? So I kind of just found my therapist, you know, worked with my therapist. But my idea was like, you know what, let's just let him go. Let him let him do what he needs to do. And hopefully at some point, he'll be a rational human being and come back and come back and want to actually sit down and have conversations that we can have. I mean, granted, I didn't like him. I didn't want to be around him. And, you know, our, our divorce started off as everybody else, like, you know, like a normal divorce debt. We started by, you know, bringing the child, bringing our son to the front door and not speaking to each other, not looking at each other, just saying goodbye to him, turning around. Like everything was very, Cold. Yeah. And I, like every divorce, I think, especially ours, has the ingredients of a high conflict divorce. Right. It's it's not something that I don't think anybody, you know, because because of the emotional baggage and the emotional garbage that's mixed up in it. So ours started off like everybody else's. And luckily, you know, somehow we decided to take a different route. Um, I know it's horrible to say, but I am kind of pleased that yours started badly too. Because I was like, really, it was amicable all the way through. Mm-hmm. So this is um, this is it, it makes me feel better. So um, before we delve more into this, I want to go back to this ripped up photo and a ring because this is one of definitely the most dramatic ways that I've heard. I mean, there's plenty of dramatic ways to split up, but one of the most visually dramatic ways um, I've ever heard. So before, Nikki, I talked to you about what it was like to see that. Ben, what was going through your head when you thought, was it, did you want to stage this moment? I think if anything, this is where the emotional side, you know, gets the best of it is I wanted to make an impact that was going to hurt Nikki. You know, that's that I want, it was vindictive. It wasn't meant to be, you know, like the dramatic moment it was as far as like, how can I most hurt Nikki to let her know that this thing's over. And practically, I'm just really interested in this. Like what photo did you look for a particularly lovely photo to rip up? Like where did you lay the photo in the house? It was right next to her bathroom sink. I, I, I don't remember what exactly photo it was, but but I, I assure you that I did look through multiple photos. And it's, fu- it, it's interesting, man, that you asked me what photo it was. And I don't remember, but I do remember looking through the photo album to find one that was uh, going to, you know, you know, uh, uh, stab her the most. And, and, you know, I ripped it perfectly in the middle. You and just I just le- dated us because I love photo albums. Right, right. Not, <laughs> not, I didn't have to scroll through my iPhone. Uh, but, you know, I ripped it up and I put the ring right in the, my ring right in the middle uh, of, the the, of the rip. And I, and I think what he did was calculated most likely. And, and I think it affected me probably more than him, like hanging up the phone and saying, I'm done. You know, I walked in the house and it was like one of those gut wrenching moments where you go, wow. Oh, like, oh shit. Like this is real. This is really happening. Mission accomplished. Yeah. See, good job then. Or not. Nikki, do you remember what the photo was? I actually think it may have been a photo of the three of us. Ooh. With Asher? As a baby in it. Oh. Yeah. So I think it was really like one of those moments where he dug that knife in and like turned it and twisted it. 
I mean, that would make sense if I'm looking through photos and the, the motive is to hurt you and, yeah. and really like dig at your, know that you are a protector and a fixer and that here you are, you're going to screw up our kid because it's all your fault. Wow. I'm, I'm loving this honesty. So, um, so Nikki, you got, you saw this photo with the ring in the middle in your bathroom, which I find is a strange choice, but sure. Like when you're washing your face, like, oh yeah, we're getting divorced. So you said it was gut-wrenching. What happened next? Like, did you clean the photo up? Did you sob on the floor? Did you call a friend? I think I probably, I'm pretty sure I called my sister. And I did sob, but I really wasn't sure at that point. I assumed I was sobbing because it was over. But when I'm looking back at it, I was probably sobbing for because it was over and the fact that it was really a reality. And I was never one of those people that took getting married lightly and ever wanted to get divorced. And that wasn't the way I saw my life going. And that wasn't how I wanted to raise my child. So I think, and I was scared to death to be a single mom per se, as whatever that means in this day and age, but not that you weren't going to be around, but it's still being a single mom. And so I think every emotion and every thought went through my head where I was like, shit, Like, what the hell do I do now? And I did. And I, and I do think my first reaction would have been to fix it and for us to get back together and try to figure out a way for us to get back together. But in my heart, I knew that that wasn't what should have happened. What should have happened was for us to break up and move forward. Yeah. And I I think even after that moment, that instinct of fixing it or I mean, the, the, that moment, even though it was as dramatic, you know, as I could possibly have made it. Uh, and uh, there were still talks of let's work this out. Let's, you know, because Nikki, you know, would, uh, you know, bite the bullet uh, to, for Asher. And, and that speaks to who she is and, and would stay together, even though, you know, now she knows and probably back then she knows that it wasn't meant to be. Um and that's, you know, I think could be just as detrimental to kids to have two parents who are staying together for their kids uh, than a, you know, a non-happy divorce and a high conflict divorce. So how do you both go about separately processing these feelings of anger and hurt and then coming together again? Well, I think after Ben had his little come to Jesus time, he scared the hell out of me and called me one afternoon to coffee. And I had no idea why he wanted to meet me for coffee. It wasn't like we were talking on a daily basis. It wasn't like we were friends. So I was like, oh boy. So I like, I think I called everybody in my family. I'm like, do I do this? Why am I going to, why am I going to go here? What am I doing? Like, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen here. But I was like, but I, I guess I have to go. And I was scared. I mean, I was scared to death. But when I got to the coffee shop, and I saw him sitting there and he had coffee for me. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like a little, that's like. Disarming me. Yeah. Right? I'm like, okay. He ordered my coffee. He knows what I like. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And that, that, that moment was an accumulation of some months of work, um, you know, with this therapist. Uh, we agreed to not discuss it. Like we agreed to just kind of take our time and like be separate. But when it came to our child, be together, you know, like parent together, but 
be separate. And, and and take a break. I mean, that's the one thing that looking back on it, and, and we didn't have a manual for this. So we got lucky in a lot of ways uh, and, you know, did some things right. And, and we took some space. There's no award for getting divorced the quickest, right? E- except for a lot of suffering and pain. It feels like a race, though, doesn't it? It feels like, quick, we got to do it. Right. Because every day feels like an eternity. And the ironic thing is probably the race is to get this person out of your life but the quicker you do it, but the more that person is going to be in your life and that black cloud hanging over your life. They never leave. Right. They, they don't go away when you get divorced. They don't disappear. Especially uh, with a child. They're always there. Right. And, and so we took some space and, and didn't talk about any of the divorce or any of the, the uh, you know, the business side of it, I guess. And I went to a therapist um, and I'm also a, uh, I'm sober and I go to 12 step groups. So I was working with my sponsor and, you know, part of the process of that was to, find my part in it you know because on that plane when i was reading the thing you know the other moment of clarity i had is in a relationship that's not good or it is good you know it takes two people it takes two to make it and it takes two to break it and and so i there's no way humanly possible that it could be all nikki's fault so i had to go through the journey of finding what my part was in it and nikki did too and that was you know staying on my side of the street it was a mess Nikki's was a mess too. And it was very hard to not look over there and tell her that her street was a mess, but, you know, to focus on, you know, my side of the street and, and, and works through some of these things. And I remember this one time I went into my therapist's office and, uh, her name was Barbara. And, uh, I, I came in and I said, Barbara, I think I got it. I think I'm a narcissist. And she started laughing and I said, Barb, what's so funny? I think we had a major breakthrough here. And she goes, let me just tell you, uh, no narcissist would ever come in my office and say that they're narcissists. Two, it might look, it might smell, it might feel like narcissism, but all you are is a hurt and upset and suffering, uh, you know, and, and mad, angry man. And, and that's, you know, and that's why we're talking. And so anyways, I, I worked through this. I worked with my sponsor and it didn't take that long to realize that. I wasn't the man, I wasn't the person, I wasn't the father, I wasn't the husband that I had, that I had, you know, envisioned myself as. I think we both envisioned ourselves as something that we weren't. Like we both thought we were like these amazing husband and wife and great parents. And I'm like, I think it took, it took, you know, it did take therapy to learn that, you know what? I don't want to be married to me and I don't want to be married to him and vice versa. Right. And and I think that, you know, looking back on it, we were unhappy people. So, of course, we're going to make an unhappy marriage. Uh, And if we didn't do what we did, we were going to be unhappy people still. And we were going to have make an unhappy divorce and then an unhappy child. And so after that process uh, is when I called Nikki because I needed to clean up and make amends uh, to her, not for anything else other than, you know, to, you know, really put the shining uh, glean on my side of the street. And it, and it wasn't any intentional. It wasn't vindictive. It wasn't any motivation except for just to say, I was sorry for me. I, I came clean and I said, I was sorry. It wasn't, you know, a, a, a long drawn out thing. And, and I just said, I've realized a lot about myself through these you know past months. And, you know, just like I said, I know that I wouldn't want to be married to, to, to me either. And, and, you know, I forgive you and I hope that you can, you know, forgive me. And then in turn, Something magical happened. I said I was sorry. She said I was sorry back. 
And in like the first time ever in 25 years or whatever, <laughs> know each other. I think that was the first and only time we've ever apologized to each other. And was that a bit of a turning point or was there still work to be done? Definitely a turning point, but it didn't just flip on a switch and go, okay, everything's great. The, the way I, you know, sort of explain it is sometimes when you have anxiety or stress in your life and it's t- kind of hard to take that breath. After that happened, and it was like an authentic moment that we never really had had before, uh, the breath just felt a little easier. It felt a little lighter. There seemed to be some space for possibility of something different than, than you know, yes. w- when I left the house. And so, uh, yeah, it wasn't all of a sudden, you know, we snapped our fingers. Uh, but th- but after the apology, the, the one question, I, I did bring up something about the divorce, and I said, when we go th- down this you know, road, do you have any problem with joint custody 50-50 across the board with our son, Asher? And, and I said, absolutely not. You know, you were good. You know, he's a good father. There was no there was no reason why other than for my own ego that I didn't want to give up my child for that, you know. But so I said, absolutely not. And I think that was a turning point also that was like, OK, anything past this we can figure out. Yeah. And, and that made it again, more because that was the main, you know, uh, the biggest point for me. And, and once that, you know, w- was disarmed too, I, I said to her, I said, well, all the other shit can be worked out then. We met at that coffee shop uh, about five more times yeah, and we worked out our whole divorce. That was our safe haven. Yeah. That, 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 <laughs> we, we really couldn't yell when we were there. <laughs> The same table, the same place, and we just went through each point. Now, each in between each meetings, obviously, we had uh, representation. We'd go back and we discuss it. But we were the, you know, this was our life. This was our future. This was our, this was our son's future. And our lawyers, no matter how great they were, my therapist, everybody involved, they didn't love our son like we do. And so we needed to take the reins. Most of the time they didn't love our son at all. Right. We, we needed to take the reins and, and really drive th- this, this deal. And we did. And then we, you know, drew it up the lawyer and told them to put, you know, told them to put their run-ons, on, you know, in it and their whereas and then, you know, however lawyers talk. But, you know, again, I think the turning point, like you said, was that moment where, you know, we cleaned up the wreckage as much as possible. Not to say it was gone, but we cleaned up the wreckage of the past continued to work on ourselves. Right. It wasn't like after that moment. Okay. We're done. It just seemed like we weren't making decisions after that based off of how we could hurt each other or what the other person did or didn't do. You know, it it was just about moving forward. I think that's a top tip, isn't it? Meet up with your ex in a public place. So you can't just scream at each other. It's a great idea. Yes, And you can't kill each other. Yeah. uh, Ideal. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 
It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website thedivorcesocial.com and you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S and it starts at £2 a month and we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. So you were sitting down in this coffee shop, you worked out your whole divorce, then you went back to the lawyer's you got the paperwork sorted. And our lawyers did think we were nuts. <laughs> They're like, are you sure you want to do this? We're like, yeah. So you got all that sorted and then you've got the custody 50-50. What's the process look like after the divorce is finalized? How do you go about becoming the friends that you are today? I think that for a while, we faked it. We faked it till we made it. Like we would go to Asher's events together and everything was about him. We didn't want him to have to choose. Oh, I went to this parent last time. I went, so I have to go. I went to mommy last time. So this time I have to go to daddy. We didn't do that. It was, we sat together. We did things, you know, any event that had to do with him, we did together. I mean, we didn't want to do it together, but we did it together. And I think that was one of the things that was like, okay, we can sort of tolerate each other. So then we, it was baby steps that we kept getting a little more friendly where it was a little less. Yeah, it was a little less forced. Uh, I don't know if that's in any therapy manual or, you know, to, to sort of suck it up and fake it and put on your smile or, you know, put on an inauthentic smile. But it, it worked for Nikki and I. And to say that it was all, you know, uh, rainbow waterfalls and unicorns yeah. would be completely inauthentic and a lie. I mean, we had our tough times. We had our arguments. We would, you know, she still, you know, knows how to push my buttons. I know how to push her buttons. And, and when we're and, and when we're in that cycle, we would have those emotional boomerang fights where we're just throwing the, you know, the thing back and forth and back and forth. But there was always when, when Asher was around or we there was a school event we would somehow manage to just put all that behind us and, and not have him. Like Nikki said, I mean, one of the worst things about, you know, growing up in a divorced, high conflict divorce is I almost, and my brothers and sisters almost had to become the adults, you know, and, and, and you know, uh, after a, a, a sporting event, I would have to play in my head as I was walking over, like, who do I go to first? I think I went to mom last time. I think I went to dad. And I was 13 when my parents got divorced and it didn't end when they got divorced. Right. I mean, it continued this dark cloud, um, unhealthy, toxic cloud, uh, uh, you know, around uh, from my graduations to my, you know, whatever it was, my wedding uh, about where mom and dad are going to sit, where, you know, and all the nonsense that a kid just shouldn't have to deal with. You know, Asher didn't have any choice in any of, you know, our life decisions, uh, including getting meeting, going on our first date, getting married, having a kid, you know, getting divorced. And yet, you know, uh, at least my parents, you know, sort of handed us the emotional bill for their choices. And we just didn't want to do that to them. So, you know, we really, 
you know, put him first and, and, and sucked our ego up. Now that's not to say that the ego didn't roar its ugly head here and there. Um, but we were all, we somehow always sort of came back to the table. I mean, and then you had to understand then when we started bringing other people into this equation, you had to, you had to go through the whole cycle again of checking your ego and realizing, okay, this is a good person he's bringing around. This is a good person she's bringing around. It's not a bad thing for Asher to have other people in his life that would love him too. So that was a whole nother ego checking moment for both of us. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about how dating uh, works. But first of all, do you, how far in to the divorce? So after you were divorced, how long was it before you could consider yourself friends? Friends, real true friends. A couple of years, I would say. Yeah, where I mean, for me, probably where I felt safe, um, you know, talking to Nikki, like you would talk to a friend about, you know, suffering or hard times or whatever it is in life. It, th that didn't come uh, right after the coffee shop. You know, definitely that took um, a while. I think it was probably, like Nikki said, uh, you know, a couple of years. Now, Nikki was also you know, Nikki, uh, in, in that she is, you know, a caregiver. She's, you know, got a huge oh, heart. You were going to say something nice. I was afraid where that was going. You were afraid I was going to say something nice? I did. I mean, well, I could have, but, <laughs> you know, we are recording a podcast here. Um, but, but you know, she would make sure that, you know, and, and you know, the, the line of maybe a little control, too, was in there, too. There's not something nice. But, uh, <laughs> but she would, you know, make sure that I had everything for Asher or that, you know, uh, when she went shopping, you know, for a new pair of shoes that she would get two, one for my house and one. So, so there was just uh, like these little signs that, you yeah, know, it wasn't so bad <laughs> that she wasn't so bad, but uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember we had had some, you know, conversations like friends had, but I was dating my wife. <laughs> we had this like, you know, difference of opinion or, or what we wanted in life. You know, I didn't want to get married again. I didn't want to have kids again. She was a little younger. She didn't have the, you know, the, uh, she wanted those things. Uh, and so we would break up, get back together, break up. Break, and then there was the, you know, I think probably would have been the final straw. Um, and Nikki called me up and, and she said, <laughs> you're an idiot what the hell are you doing? You're not going to find anybody better than this woman fucking marry her or you're going to end up like your dad alone and old. And at, at that point, you know, I was like, okay, here's my ex wife, right. Telling me, you know, to, to step up, but also to marry another woman. Right. So that, I think that was probably the, now that was, four years into, you know, maybe our, our, you know, after our divorce and there had been signs like that, but that, I think that's the one that stands out where it was like, yeah, this is a friend. This is a woman who loves me. Nikki, can you remember a, a, a moment where you thought, oh, we're friends? It probably has a little bit to do with when I was getting married. I mean, my now husband asked him to coffee at the same coffee shop to say, listen, like he was trying to be respectful. Granted, he probably was still going to marry, like ask me to marry him, even if he said no, but he was trying to be respectful. And I knew when Ben looked at him and said, I don't know why the hell you'd want to do something like that. That Ben was like, okay, take her, like, take her. This is good. Like, this is going to be, this, everything's going to be okay from here on. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, the, you know, there's just times like that and, and uh, where, you know, it's authentic. It wasn't, uh, 
forced. Forced. And, and, and it was just, you know, real, like any friend that you would have, right? Who, who, who cares, non judgmental when you, you know, bring something up or cynical or whatever, you know, we get, we get caught in. Uh, but, but like I said, that was probably the, the, the moment for me. Let's talk about bringing other people into this equation, as you said it. So, who got the first girlfriend or boyfriend? Do you remember? The, mon- I did. the monkey brancher over there. The monkey branch. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you just called me a monkey branch. Swing from one to Why? another. Because I hate to be alone. Yeah, exactly. I do hate to be alone. So, Nikki, you had the first boyfriend. How did that feel? Did you feel like, because my ex had a girlfriend before, well, I still don't have a boyfriend. I'm just chilling out, living my best life. My ex had a girlfriend first and it sort of felt like he'd won in that first step. (laughs) Did you feel like you'd won or were you past that point? I was past that point because I may have had a boyfriend. Ben had a revolving door. (laughs) Oh, now it's coming out. You know, we have to say about her boyfriend, and this is sort of like, uh, you know, the test to this like happy divorce foundation we built is, you know, putting your ego aside and and, and all the other stuff we just, you know, talked about is her boyfriend uh, happened to be somebody we knew while we were married. And, you know, talk about a test to this new, you know, way of being this new, Zen. you know, this new. Zen ben. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was hard to levitate after I found that one out. Yeah. Right. I mean, talk about a blow to the ego. Uh, and, you know, this guy didn't even wait to the body got caught or, you know, he moved in or what, you know, what, what you know, all this stuff that, you know, the, my head was telling me. I remember there was a it was the first time that Nikki told me there was uh, I was coaching Asher's baseball game or baseball team. And. He was coming to the game. Now, Nikki told me, uh, I think that's another great thing we, we had done is communicate. Nikki told me that Chad was going to come to the game. So it wasn't some, you know, big, you know, shocker. And after the game. He didn't always tell me about Crystal and Chandelier, though. Oh, you're so mean. Um, and, and so after the game, you know, I'd cleaned out the dugout and Asher was already over there and I was walking over and I knew this was the moment. Like this was going to be a moment, right? This was going to, you know, either going to like be a, do or die. It was going to be a great moment, or it was going to be, you know, the the Ben who ripped up the picture and put the ring in the middle of it. And what I was telling myself walking over there was literally, "What's best for Asher? What's best for Asher? This isn't about you. This isn't about your, you know." And so I walked over, uh, and the first thing I did was I gave Chad, his husband, a hug. Um, and, and just, that was my way of letting Asher know, letting Chad know, letting Nikki know that this is okay. Now that's not really what I was feeling, right? <laughs> that's not really what was going on inside. And it was probably the most awkward man hug in the history of man hugs, but it, it, it was this, you know, that, that this, especially for our son, that this is okay. Right. This is okay for you to, you know, to, to love this man, your mom loves him, And then it got easier. And now we actually have very authentic hugs. Me and Chad. Very, very authentic. And I think, too, for me is when I knew Ben was, I mean, obviously, I, I didn't need to know all the people that were the revolving door. But at some point I looked at, I called him and I said, hey, listen, do me a favor. And I said, until you are serious and there's somebody worth him meeting, please don't introduce all these women to Asher. And I think his first response was, screw you. No, no, no. I didn't say that. I thought that. Right. 
until he realized that maybe I was right. Yeah, th- that's the difference between at least the desertion between responding off of ego right. and then responding out of truth. All right. And, and the first reaction was when she said that in my head was, who the hell are you to tell me who I can and cannot bring around my son? Right. But I didn't say that. Instead, I thought about it for a second. And, you know, at the end of the day, she was right. And that's hard for me to admit even today. Right. That um, what's best for Asher is not to have this revolving door of, of women in and out of his life who aren't going to be there, or who aren't going to love him, who aren't going to buy into what we're doing. Um, and could be, you know, a, a cog in the wheel on what we're trying to accomplish. And, and what does that show about relationships? He's already had this trauma of his parents getting divorced. And, and so, you know, I made that promise to Nikki. You know, I said, I, I, I won't. You're right. And uh, even my wife, I think it was eight months um, before I introduced um, Asher to, to Nadia, my wife. And you said the words buy into, which sounds really terrible when you're talking about your family. But that was a big deal for us. Uh, when we did start dating and we were seriously dating somebody, it was a big deal that they understood from us what we were trying to accomplish with our child. And if they weren't willing to be a part of that and make this relationship better and not harder, it wasn't going to work. And so, and, and as much as we would have loved these people, it we we wouldn't have allowed them to stay around. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, and, and I think Nikki would agree with this. So there, there's no woman or man in this world uh, that we could have met that was going to, if, if they were going to be a disruptive uh, part of our, you know, what we were trying to accomplish, they wouldn't be in our lives, yeah. you know, because at the end of the day, our first, you know, uh, choice was to have Asher and, and, and that needed to be the, the, the main focus. Now, we got, you know, there were people out there, you know, there were two wonderful, beautiful people who we both fell in love with who, you know, not only, uh, you know, uh, at, you know, bought into it, but they add to our, they may have uh, thought we were crazy just at first, right. But they add, you know, they don't subtract from, from our, ha- our happy divorce or our modern family or whatever. They are, you know, great, you know, uh, step parents to Asher, but also great partners and, and great friends. You know, Nikki's great friends with Nadia. I'm great friends with Chad. And because I, I was going to ask you, did you meet anyone who thought this is all very strange? I can't get involved with this. I can't believe you're friends with your ex and in your kind of dating landscape or even your friends. Oh, friends for sure. Our friends, our families, I think in the beginning thought that. I think people had questions um, that I was dating, you know, because, uh, but, but I don't think anybody sort of, it is weird. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, especially 14 years ago, it was something that was, luckily it's a little bit more common today, but you know, people, that's, that's really why we wrote the book too, is because people are like, what's going on over there at the hell fund to Bartolo house? Like what, you know, is this like some, you know, swinger polygamy thing, you know, or whatever it was, but it was like, so they started asking questions and then we started getting phone calls from friends, right. Who, had gone through it or going through it and, and they wanted advice. And so that's another reason so many questions people had is, is why we decided to write the book. It's interesting because I think I'd feel, if I'm being honest, I'd feel very threatened if I met someone and they were really good friends with their ex. I think I'd I'd be like, oh, well, what's going on there? Do, are you still in love? Do you want to get back together? Like what's going on? So it's nice that people you're dating were a bit more open-minded than me. It's funny. Um, 
two years ago, one of the things that we decided, Asher was, when he was growing up, he was totally into animals and everything had to do with animals. So we knew in our, if anything was going to ruin our happy divorce, it was going to be if one or the other took our child to Africa. So we both, you know, wanted to wait till he was old enough with the shots and everything you need, the pill, what all that stuff you need to do. And we decided two years ago, two and a half years ago, we were going to take Asher to Africa. We invited our spouses at the time. My husband couldn't leave because of his job and his wife, they have two little kids. But they looked at us and they said, go. Asher will love it. You two need to do this with him. So the three of us off went to Africa for two weeks together. Like it was nothing. I mean, and I, and I don't even think, I think people asked a few questions when they would start seeing our photos and realize, okay, it's just the three of them in Africa together. But that's what we have built with our significant others where it's not strange. And they know, and they're very comfortable with us and they, they're very comfortable with the relationship we have. And, you know, his wife will call me and say, you know, Ben did this or Ben did that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's the uh, one negative to our happy divorce. And and how did you manage that practically going on holiday? Like who did Asher sleep in a room with? And did you try and have your separate alone time on the holiday? Or were you just together all the time as if you were married? All the time. We were, I mean, except for when we were sleeping. Asher stayed with me because I was afraid of animals and bugs. Yeah, I mean, look, I would, I, I, you know, I, it, I, although it would be funny to see, but there you're sleeping in, oh, you know, oh, a, yeah. a, I'd see a bug and I'd be like, Asher! But there'd be an elephant that just would stroll by your room. Or you'd hear things rubbing against your tent. And so, I mean, for me, I was scared to death. Asher just didn't care. He wasn't afraid of anything. But we ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner together and spent all day together. You'd wake up, have breakfast, go on a safari, come back have a like an hour or so downtime, have lunch and then go back. It, it just, we were constantly together for two weeks. Yeah. And it's not something like the alone time. It's not like you, you go for a walk. I mean, you you, you, stay, you, you really don't want to just go on a walk, uh, you know, with the, uh, the lions and the hyenas and, and all that. Yeah. But it, you know, it was just a, uh, it, it was probably not probably, it was one of the most amazing trips. And, and to be able to have that with my son, because literally, if one of us had taken Asher to Africa without the other one, the, it wouldn't be the romance. It wouldn't be the finance. It wouldn't been all the other stuff that oh, sends divorce be. south. It would have been, you know, this. But, uh, you know, we were at a place where we had traveled together before, but never, I don't think the three of us. No. Um, and, and it was it was just special. Go with all of us. But this was, yeah, this was different. It sounds like a real test of your friendship. And it sounds like you passed. So now you've written a book, Our Happy Divorce. How was the experience of writing the book? Were there any arguments? Did any old marriage kind of sharing things come up in the writing? It probably came up not as much with us as it did with other people that we may have talked about. Or I don't know. I think I enjoyed understanding his perspective of it that maybe wasn't something I saw. Whether I liked it or not, at that point, it was like, okay, that's okay. That's okay that you felt that way. I think the, the, the one great thing about the process of the book is we didn't... It was healing. It was healing, but it was also... Absolutely. But it was also like when I... I obviously read Nikki's chapters and she read mine, but I never 
you know, said you shouldn't write that or you, you, this wasn't the way it happened or I never questioned. She never questioned my experience right. or my perspective. Um, and, and I think that that in itself probably showed you how great our relationship is, right? Like what, you know, like Nikki said, there were some things in there. I was like, I don't know if you really have that perspective, right? But that was her perspective or her, her experience. Yeah. And it was, uh, um, you know, it, it was great. It, it was a, like Nikki said, learning a different perspective and how it was for her to walk into that. You had me call her and walk into the coffee shop, even though I knew that it, what I wanted to do and what I was expecting, you know, what was going to happen is I just called her and said, Hey, let's go to coffee. And I never really thought about how that must have made her feel and how, you know, scared or worried or whatever she was. So didn't see that was, was a great thing. It's so interesting. I feel like every divorce couple should write a book just so you can read the other one's chapters and actually find out what happened. Yeah. yeah let, me, let me just say add one other thing that we don't, you know, the, the good thing about the divorce and I think the good thing or, or the book and the good thing about our, our what we did is we don't talk about what happened in our marriage, right? Like it ended, it didn't end on a winning streak, um, you know, it, it, there was everything that happens and why divorces end. And, and one of the reasons that we don't do that is, or the main reason is because it doesn't matter, right? The end of a marriage, like it's just symptoms of a really bad problem and it's unhappy people and an unhappy marriage. And so, um, you know, the, the, the book isn't about the past. It isn't about what happened. Uh, and, and I think that's also why we're sitting here today is because we haven't, we didn't make decisions on the past or what happened in the marriage. Um, and, and so it's, it, it, it's a solution book and it's a solution story right. and, and we don't live in the problem. I love that. Well, it sounds great. I can't wait to read it. Um, just to round up, can you say one thing each that is the best thing about your happy divorce scenario? Ben, what's the best thing? Uh, lack of suffering. You know, for 14 years, for the most part, is we haven't had this past or, you know, what happened in marriage affect us in every area of our life. I don't have to worry about when the phone rings and it's Nikki or I get a text from Nikki that it's going to be this, you know, drag out fight. And also, most importantly, no suffering for, you know, we limited the suffering and the damage to our son. I think for me, it was the fact that I didn't lose family. I ended up actually gaining family. I mean, I love his kids it just as much as I would if they were my own. And so, and I, you know, I got, what should I call his wife? I actually call her my ex-wife. But I, I, I got a friend out of this and I got to, I, I like have two more children that, you know, love me and they think of me as their stepmom because they don't under, they don't know. They know Asher as a stepmom. So it was like, okay, well then that's my stepmom too. So we grew instead of got smaller. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, it's been so great to chat to you both. Um, remind us about your book, where people can get it and where they can follow you online. Uh, they can follow us anywhere uh, on social media. Everything, Our Unhappy Divorce, books available anywhere books are sold, Amazon. And if anybody's listening and, and have questions or if anybody's listening and they're thinking to themselves, what a, you know, this this is can't be true. This has got to be, you know, a, a, a fiction. But if you had told us 14 years ago that we'd be sitting on a podcast talking about our happy divorce and our trips to Africa and all the other craziness that goes on in our lives, we would have looked at you sideways. So just, you know, hopefully if you're listening, just, you know, 
open up some space to the possibility that there's no way we ever thought this happened. Right. But 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 if but if we can do it, anybody can. We're, we're pretty much you know determined that anybody can. So uh, if you have questions, you know we're not. Uh, coaches, we're not therapists. Just reach out to us and uh, on social media. Everything on Happy Divorce, and be glad to talk to you or, or answer any questions. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over twenty years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.